Happy New Year, Swazzers! We're back! Welcome to episode 9 and season 3 of A Bit of Swaz. And more importantly, the first episode of 2023. We hope yourself and everyone close to you has enjoyed the holidays. Now, we've already established that our beloved Cardiff City is the most unpredictable club in the world. But Cardiff City in 2023 is something I could never prepare for. Shocked, but not surprised. Before we get into any of that, I firstly need to introduce my right-hand man and co-host, William Kosh. What are you saying, Koshy? How are you? I'm good, man. Good, man. All good. How's it going? How was the holidays? It's all right, man. It's gone too quickly. Gone too quickly. Could say. You could say. And secondly, we are joined by a guest, slash the guest, the one and only, called in on emergency, the man who needs no introduction, is Nathan Blake, Mr. B. Welcome back. How are you feeling today? How was your holidays? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Emergency for real. <laughs> Call 911. Damn, everything's crashing. Do I have electric, gas, Cardiff City? What the shit's going on out there? What is going well, we're on? We're going to try and solve it's, this. Uh, I'm all good, though. I'm all good. Nice to be back. It's been a while. Been listening to you mugs. Uh, Go on now. Talking Cardiff City and it's just the club that never stops giving, doesn't it? Oh, it just say. keeps giving and giving and giving and giving. So I'm going to try and be quiet. I've just been brought my breakfast, so I won't eat on your podcast because that's rather rude. But if you hear a few clunks and clinks, then I won't have my mouth full. I'll just say that. So be prepared, people. <laughs> and how was the holidays, Nate? Oh, yeah, wicked. Nice to be, you know, nice to have uh, my first New Year's off in, I don't know how many years, probably since I was about 16, 17. So that was lovely. Um, Work Boxing Day, uh, that wasn't so lovely. Um, And then, yeah, just, you know, chilled over Christmas, chilled over New Year, and then just trying to get back into the swing of things. After the World Cup, mainly, it's been really difficult to get back into work mode but um yeah we're there now oh thank god we're there well remember we're at swazpod on the twitter facebook and instagram so like love share comment and most importantly subscribe now of course we need to discuss the obvious and the issues around that but before we need to rewind it a bit back to the back-to-back nil-nil draws against qpr at home on boxing day and then coming through away for the last game of 2022. Not the worst end of the year, but certainly not the best. Nate, you mentioned that you were working on the Boxing Day game. How, what did you make of it? No, I wasn't working. I just, I just watched it, uh, Brad. Oh. Um, I was working on another game, but uh, listen, uh, it, it's just typical. Like It's just too many moving parts, right? It's just, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a classic case of when a club is fractured in so many places that, you know, you, you you go from a game like Leeds where I thought we'd done well first half especially. Uh, unfortunate not to hold on. And then, um, you know, you basically, you, you can put... The, the performances uh, up against like a Premier... What I'm trying to say, up against a Premier League team, the performance was decent because it has to be because you get that feeling as a player, I don't want to get embarrassed. Right, and then you know you come up against you know uh, teams within your own league 
And I don't know, your mentality must, the player's mentality must, must drop a little. Mm. And uh, the performance level just, just isn't there at the moment. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the answer is because, like I said, there's too many moving parts. Uh, and I know they're talking about bringing in more players, but you just add into more moving parts, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's not a collective. You know what I mean? So it's just, it just deepens the problem rather than resolves the problem. 100%. Well, a chance for change to start of 2023 with a bang on New Year's Day. But the Bluebirds take a 1-0 loss to Blackburn after Bradley Dax goes to deflect the goal off Jack Simpson. Also, didn't stand a chance. Was unfortunate considering that we won the first fixture dramatically after that winner by Sparky and that save by Allsop. Your old team, Nafe, that we come up against, unfortunate one no loss. It just seems like these results, like you said, they're just accumulating. Yeah, and Blackburn's not the greatest, right? Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just, I, I, don't, I don't know, it's, you know, the championship this year I don't think is the greatest, if I'm totally honest. If there was ever a chance to get out of the championship, it was this year. You know, Norwich. Look at them; they've they've been so inconsistent, without the without exception to uh, Sheffield United and uh, Burnley at the top. I think the rest is pretty ordinary. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. don't think there's like, and I, I don't look at Burnley and go, "Ooh, they'll be they'll be naughty in the Premier League." They're gonna have to add quite a bit to that squad. So. Yeah, it's just, um, listen, I thought, uh, I, th- I think Blackburn, did they just draw their, f- did I hear that? Blackburn recently uh, draw their first game in about 30-odd, 40-odd games or something like that. Um, so they tend, to, they tend to win more than they lose, that's why they're at the top, but I don't think they're a great team if I'm totally honest. Do you think the teams like Burnley and you could say the other teams on the top world, do you think they're really making noise in the championship or do you think, like Nathan said, it's pretty few and far between? Yeah, they're, well, they're obviously making noise to the top of the league, aren't they? And um, what they've done, they've, especially Burnley, they've invested quite well into players abroad or through the connections with the company, um, for Bellamy as well, back in Belgium. And they took full advantage of those younger sort of players they know. Uh, Sheffield United's basically had the same sort of team from la- from last year, same core group, so they all know each other. Obviously, big clubs as well. You got to think. I want to go back to the top, promised land. But yeah, going back to the Blackburn game, I just we had quite a lot of chances with like Harris and stuff. Like you cut back in, just 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 shoot sometimes. Just tries mm. to try and make it easier than it should be. But talking about Blackburn as well, they just lost their best player, that Diaz. Yeah, Baron Diaz. Yeah, he's gone to Villarreal. So. Maybe next year, if you don't go up, maybe a team we could like, maybe leapfrog if you get that position, but hardly tell it. But it's a championship. Anything could happen. Very but true, very game. Well, mm, speaking mm. of anything could happen, next game was in the third round of the FA Cup on the 8th of January with Leeds United at home. Now, this felt like a fixture that the fans were dying for and it really could have been special, as Nathan mentioned. Incredible atmosphere during the game and plenty of back and forth between us and the Leeds supporters. Heroically, we go 1-0 up thanks to Philogene after Isaac Davis came so close to scoring on his first game back. And then incredibly, we go up 2-0 thanks to a lovely control and finish for Ojo after a lovely pass at the top by Rinamata. Leeds were falling apart, but then as we know, Rodrigo Burt won back in the 65th minute 
And we had that back against the wall from there, which did result in the unbelievable save from Joel Bagan, which obviously resulted in the penalty, which was surprisingly saved by Jack Onwick. It was nearly meant to be, but it proved not to be enough as Sonny Perkins equalised in the 92nd minute with an overdue goal, to be fair. Now, did that perform surprise you? And many players, like you see like Tom Sang and Isaac Davis' first game back, they, you, we haven't seen much of this season. Uh, it did. It didn't. It didn't surprise me. No, it, it was what I call typical. Like I said, performance level goes up against a Premier League team because you're scared of getting dicked like four or five nil. Right, mm. you find yourself a goal ahead, then two goals ahead, and then you know uh, they come out and second half, and then the belief starts to dwindle, and you not you start to think we got to hold on rather than, you know, we're going to go and press and try and get the third. And, uh, yeah, it was just, I thought they played well. It's the best I've seen them probably, um, probably this season, mm. best part of this season. They actually played some football, moved the ball around okay. Um, but just alluding to uh, young Mark, well, he's not that young, Mark Harris now, you know, I say he, he he's a he's a really good player, but he needs to define what he is. Yeah, uh, you can't be a striker and not score goals. You mentioned before. You know that's yeah. yeah, that's just that's just simple mathematics, right? If you're defined as a striker, you have to score goals. If you're a winger, come striker, you have to get goals and assists. Mm. If you're a midfielder, you have to produce goals, defend your goal. Score goals. If you're a defender, you have to defend your goal and you know score the odd goal. So with a with when you're up in that front line, you know the responsibility and the hardest thing to do is score goals. But that's part and parcel of it. And I just think you know, uh, Mark's definitely a player. He's got you know bags of ability, you know. But I, I I've never seen anyone get what I would say the best out of him. You know, because he can finish when he's given the opportunity. Yeah, you've seen the quality. He just takes too. Well, it's, it's often what happens to him is when he's got no time to think and he just has to hit it quick. The opportunity usually hits the target. Yeah. It's when he has time. He has too much time to think, and then he tries to be too intricate at times. Hmm. And you know, he's got to realize that at championship level, you're just not going to get that time. And when you step up again to Premier League level, that time halves again. And I'm talking 0.5 of a second you might have in the championship, 0.2 of a second you might have mm. at Premier League level. So, you know, I, I, and I feel for him because, you know, the, the continual change of manager, uh, you know, tactical, tactically can't help the situation either. So, um, yeah. So, so as a striker, though, Nave, how do you, like, recognise... Mm. That that's sort of becoming a problem, and and then improve upon it. Like, why would you go out and sort of uh, implement it into your day to day routine? Well, I was never a striker to begin with. From a little kid, I was always a left winger. Mm. But I scored like when you're like ten and eleven, you score like nine goals in a game and twelve goals in a game, and you you kind of like one of the main men in your team and what have you. So scoring a goal. Is, isn't a problem. You know how to score goals. And then as you get older, you know, you become, as a winger, you become a goal provider, as I did at Cardiff. 
And then you you also show you can score goals, you know. Uh, and then it's about having that confidence, be able to understand that, well, just like any other job, I need to practice and improve. Mm. You know, why aren't I scoring goals? Well, am I not getting to the position? Am I taking too long on the ball? Is my first touch need improving? Do I need to make better runs? And all these things, you practice in training, you know? Yeah. You practice after training, you do for an hour or so on your own. You might do one-on-ones with your mate, take him on, at the best of five, see so first to three, things like that. Uh, you might get a couple of the youngsters, do some crossing and finishing volleys or whatever, headers. Uh, you might play edge of the box, run through, slot it past the keeper, all these things. It's just muscle memory brand. Mm. And the more you do it, the better you become at it. And some people have a natural instinct for it. Like I would say, personally, I think I had a natural instinct for scoring goals, but I wasn't like, I wasn't like, a, you know, like I'm different to a Cal Dale I played with. Well, Cal Dale's what I call a six-yard box goal-getter, right? Phil Stant was different again. Stanley could hit it from almost anywhere, and he had a beautiful technique. And then Chris Pike was different again. Pike, he was the most dangerous if you put the ball over the top, uh, run on and slot it, which sounds easy, but it's probably the most difficult. Pike, he was the best at that. So you watch those players, and you try and take from them what they're great at. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh and without going up to them and saying, I'm going to watch you and do this, you just, you just nick some of the things they do. And then when you're practicing them with, in training and doing extras, you just, you just try and copycat. If Pikey's it in the back of the net every time he does this, this skill, like oh, ball over the top, runs into the box and slots it. Like he, he was one of the first people to give me the tip of, you know, don't slot it wide when you're going one-on-one. Try and slot it like a yard past the goalkeeper's legs. Why? Because it's the most difficult place for him to get down to. Mm. Now, at you know, 17, I was at Chelsea and no one had really told me that. But then when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Keeper dives out to the right or the left. But you often see them standing one-on-one and if you slot it between their legs or either side of them, they just collapse, right? They just do that thing where they collapse. So... These are all little tips, I would say. Um, but again, I'd look at, 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 at the team and go, well, who is there of seniority for the strikers to learn that from? Yeah, 100%. 100%. So it's a bit of a catch-22. 100%. Well, uh, one quality bit of striking, control and finish, as I mentioned, was from Shea Ojo, who played in a sort of different role to what we used to. Wouldn't you say, well? Yeah, it's good. He's, he's been playing there quite quite a lot recently and he's starting to take up some space he likes to drift out wide create those 2v1s linking up with Philogene and Harris or whoever's on the other wing really good run as well just extra person in the box as well like we're mm. missing we only had like one striker in the box and the fact there's another player there as well just makes the defenders a bit confused sometimes who they should mark and obviously a good pass by Runa Botta who I think has been one of the best players over the last couple of weeks deserves a start and probably one of the best signings we've actually made this summer uh, mm. in the summer but yeah it was nice to see Davis Back in Harris, he just gave us so much more pace and energy at the top, just to press, put him under pressure. And obviously, I'm not sure what that lead centre half had a bit of a mid, didn't he? And he came off because Davis yeah. was all over him. So it was nice to see. And obviously, Sam had a good first leg, maybe not a second leg, but it was a good performance, especially in the first half. 100%. I mean, Davis, it was just so nice to see him back in action because when was the last time he actually started a game? Months ago. 
Start of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been start, start of the season. Start of the season. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was just great to see him back. And he just still has that determination. Still has that... What made him special, do you know what I mean? What made all, all the fans scream his name and singing his name is that... Do you know what I mean? That determination, that one. So it was nice to see him back, back in action. And he's like a rash. Yeah. yeah. He's the kind. He's the kind of. Um, it's certain certain strikers that defenders hate. Mm. Right, and it's those busy, constantly on you. Quick. He's quick, quicker than they think he's gonna be. He's stocky. He's wide. He's got good strength, and he's got a good eye for goal. Mm. But he's like a rash. He's like the kind of defender I hated playing against. Those ones are all over you all the time, yeah. right? You know what I mean? They don't want to give you any space. And he's he's sort of the flip side of that. So lovely to see him back. Really nice to see him back. But um, you know, would love to see him. I, I I I would love to see our youngsters in in a in a in a club that's just settled. Yeah. Got some very good senior players, you know, up and coming through the ranks, young players. And like I said, you know, it, it is a learning curve. Uh, right now, they, like, it's just, like I said, there's like 11 individual parts at the moment. We've seen them come together for a while at Leeds. And then, as I suspected, it, it sort of splintered again. But... And you change the manager, blah, 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 blah. It's all like, it's, how it <laughs> it's just like up in the air, isn't it? It's how it goes. We used to have this thing called scramble when we were kids. <laughs> and if you had like a load of sweets in your hand, someone would hit it and then go and scramble and everyone be in there. Like, it's like everyone's uh, got one of them, Cardiff's one of them at the moment. But um, And I agree with Will as well. I think uh, Ojo, in that inside left old school, if you're... My age, 50, you'll understand what I mean, inside, yeah, inside, outside, left. Playing that inside, left and helping create those overloads, I think is, uh, is good. But we look, we look to have like athleticism, but we're not using it well Mm. enough. You know, more organized, more understanding of counterattack. You know, how we, are we going to play more general counterattack or are we going to play more pressing game? Understanding that and then. You know, really getting that pressing game down to a fine art because it is a fine art. It's not just a case of oh, Brandon goes, Will goes, and Nathan's asleep. Like, oh, right. You know, it is. If Nathan's asleep, then the whole thing breaks down. So it is something that they uh, they need to get down to the T. And they're, they're things I I feel Mark Hudson could have really done. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think he need to improve that. And I've said that for probably three or four seasons now, that if you're going to sit in a defensive shape, you have to learn how to counter-attack and you have to learn when you're going to press when the ball comes over the halfway line. Yeah. Simple as that. And set traps. Wow. Speaking of Mark Hudson, after the FA Cup tie, we pick up our first point of 2022 against Wigan Athletic at home. But Cardiff City being Cardiff City, we can see a very avoidable 96th minute equaliser by Wigan's Will Keane. Not a terrible performance, but did in result did result in the sacking of Mark Hudson, which we will get into later on in the show. Now this game against Wigan, again, Callum O'Dowell does put a tidy way, tidy finish in the eighty second minute to get us one 0 looking like a nice three points, much needed three points, especially at this point in the season. And then Cardiff City being Cardiff City, we concede. Well, how many times are we going to drop points like this until we're in the bottom of the league? 
I mate, I genuinely don't know. But like this game was well, the worst attack, the worst defence. One all. Mm. Wigan came into the game without keeping a clean sheet in any of the last thirteen games in the championship. Which is the longest yeah. run in the championship. <laughs> so the fact we can only score one goal, and I, what I think the problem is, Brand, I think we took quite a lot of goals. Obviously, you said more was left and stuff, but also, obviously, yeah, Morris and Flint, they chipped in with some goals during the season in 16, compared with them both altogether. And even McGuinness as well, who's obviously back, but they chipped into a couple of goals last year, which bumped our goals difference up a bit. So we've missed, we've missed that set piece because we weren't one of the best in the championship at set pieces. Now we're like one of the worst. We think I'm short. We don't want to cross it. So we've gone completely the other way. So we've lost a lot of goals through that. But obviously we're not playing well on the pitch as well, so that doesn't help at all. But we've just missed that, like getting excited for a corner. We just don't get excited for corners anymore. Let's go short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's what would happen, right? Long throws and corners, especially last 10 minutes if we were losing or drawing, it became a theme. And it, it, it stemmed from the Neil Warnock era. Yeah. Right? And a bit before that, to oh, be honest yeah. with you, where, yeah, the last 10 minutes, it became like, like I always said, if teams play Cardiff City and you one nil up and you decide to drop for the last 10 minutes, it's actually the worst thing. You know, you do, in normal circumstances, you do try and waste time and drop deep and what happened. But I always said, watching Cardiff City, you know, if I was managing against them, I would say, right, no, 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 no. we're going to press high. We're not going to give them the opportunities to get near our box and then win set pieces because it's 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 what they survived on mm. for so long. But Will's right, you know, losing that, losing those goals from the centre half position and what have you, and that's what I say. Like there's so many moving parts where there's problems, right? You go from top of the tree to bottom of the tree. Well, you know, doing set pieces and everything, they're regular routine things you do in training and things like that. They do your head in, but you know you need them. It's like practice matches and shape and stop start. They do your head in as a player, but, you know, you just accept it because it needs to be done. But, you know, to go from one end of the table to the other on, on that just shows, like, that's what I call shooting yourself in the foot, right? Mm. If you keep changing managers every... And you can't get a settled sort of 16 on your pitch. These things, you know, they happen in a blink of an eye, to be honest with you. Well, of course, interim manager Dean Whitehead, who's brought in now, now takes us a three managers over the course of the season, which is unheard of, to be honest with you. But his first task was the reverse fixture at Ellen Road against Leeds, which, as we know, resulted in a 5-2 loss against a much, much better start side from the get-go positive to see Callum Robinson in action and picking up two goals was there much we could have done there lads well um not really it was a difficult task really for Whiteheads and what you said there about the three managers little fact uh, Adams hasn't played a competitive game and he's had three managers at Cardiff this season that is something so bizarre, else <laughs> but, um, can you imagine you know literally but 5-2 obviously quite a lot of goals but we were, we weren't that bad, but the scoreline didn't really show. Maybe the performance, like obviously we deserved to lose, but it wasn't as bad as it looked. Uh, Robinson came on, scored two goals, um, looked good. But yeah, it's just frustrating. Brand, frustrating. he seems to to, again. He seems to be the only player right now that can create or score goals because we've actual consistency. Would you agree with yeah. that, Nath? At the moment, who's that? Callum Robinson. 
Um, yes and no. I, he's, I think he's probably, not probably, I think he's our best striker. But don't really see him as an out-and-out striker. You know, he's not, if you look at his goals per game record, he's never been like prolific at any sort of, at any sort of level. But he's a really good finisher. Uh, and I know what Will means um, about the game itself, Brand, because, you know, Cardiff had almost almost 50% possession. I think they had about 45, 47% possession in the game. And, you know, it didn't seem, there wasn't one side really, they didn't run all over, you know, Cardiff City. And Cardiff were, they were, they were just average what killed them is the is the goal in the first 40 seconds, 30, 40 seconds, mm. right? I what mean, that just goal. makes all your plans go out the window. And what a goal, I have to say. It was like, you know, it was, it was you know, when you see great goals live, you know, it is a, it is a great thing. And, you know, fair play to Nyonto. It was, a, it was a really, really clever finish. But they didn't run all over Cardiff at, at, at any time. You know, it it was okay. I would say if you were measuring short of shots and opportunities on the goal, they would probably outweigh Cardiff quite significantly. But Cardiff weren't. They weren't like it wasn't like backs to the wall. They're hitting the bar. They're running in behind you. It was never that sort of game. Cardiff, were, you felt were always always in the game, and it, it was it was a strange result. If if you know what I mean. It was yeah. really strange to see, you know, I mean, Bamford come on late and got a couple of goals, right, which, okay, but, you know, it was, um, it was, like I said, it was a, it was a strange result, a strange performance. It was, I, I was doing the game and it wasn't like I was saying, oh, we're miles away, we're this, we're that, this. They were okay, so, you know, the encouraging thing for me was, you know, they got two goals, uh, up against Leeds, Leeds are there, full house, you know, ready for war, and uh, they've proved in two games, two legs over leagues that you can actually pull out some decent performances. Yeah. Their performances against Leeds don't warrant where they are in the league. Put it that way for me. Hundred percent. Do you feel this is my little, not necessarily theory, but thought process behind? Of course, sacking Hudson. It was some people could, could think it was inevitable that was going to happen. But I feel like sacking him a game before a game before a really big fiction in this club's history, does it does it really like does it show how, how much the board don't really care to look into or even embrace like the club's history and the club's identity that this fiction is a massive fiction. And like I mentioned about the first leg, it was a fiction that fans could really get excited for and to be fair, in terms of a game of football, it did deliver. And then, and then when we're going back up there, end we sack the manager basically on the way up. Like, does that does that show how mm. much that the disconnect between the we mentioned it too many times on this pod, but the disconnect between the board and the fans? Well, I I mean that's been obvious since you know, uh, you know, ten years ago for me, Brand. But yeah, I understand your point. It's. Uh, you 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 wouldn't send your troops into war without their leader, or you've you've put in charge as their leader for the last, you know, couple of months or a couple of weeks, whatever it was. Uh, you would you would tend to say, well, let's get through this game, and then you know, 
So we've got uh, or find a, a period where we know we can bring someone in. We know we've got an eye on someone. <coughs> Excuse me, and we can bring that person in um, to to lead the troops. But yeah, understand if you understood dressing rooms and how you know people work. It's not it's not footballers. You wouldn't you know for morale for morale you wouldn't be doing that. And you'd also, if you're like Ken Chu or whatever, you would have, you know, you'd have yourself around the training ground. You would be seeing, uh, speaking to a coach, not necessarily to find out where the manager is, but you tend to be able to find out what the mood is. Yeah. Players, what they like, they down, they up. What's the manager's relationship like with them? You know, that's what a CEO does. He just wanders around, just spying, basically, you know, he, he, he is there because he loves and he cares, but he's also there because he needs to make sure that, you know, everything is running smooth. As simple as that. So if that had been done and the, the feeling in the camp was still good, yeah, it was, it was a terrible time to sack the manager because all that happens to players is they all, we all start speaking and going to each other. They haven't got a clue what they're doing upstairs. Mm. You know what I mean? They're hanging us Do out to dry sort of thing. Do those conversations happen a lot between players? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get me wrong. Players, Same as any work. Players, uh, listen, players, is, is, yeah, it's, it's, you know, human nature is never to say, yeah, it was, I hold my hands up, it was my fault. Human nature just makes you try and, you know, oh, well, I'm sure there was a, a reason why. Uh, uh, you know, the hardest thing to do is look at yourself, right? Yeah. And be accountable for what's going on. So as soon as you've got a, 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 an excuse or a reason not to take responsibility as footballers, a lot of them do take that opportunity. A lot of us did take that opportunity. Um, that's, just, that's just the way it is, mate. You know? uh, but at this moment in time, I would say, you know, everyone's got to play a part in accountability. But ultimately, you know, you have to look upstairs to see what goes on, and like I always say, that nonsense will just just not even slowly float down. It's it's running into the, it's like a you know it's like a river rather than a stream running into the dressing room, and then you know you get this imbalance in performance level. Yeah, well, in terms of, in talks of an imbalance of performance, our next game was Millwall at home, who but not by any means a strong side, although resulted in a 1-0 loss and the only goal being scored by Welsh international Tom Bradshaw after miscommunication between Kipre and Alsop. Did this game just, like we said, top off the poor run of results? Although it being first game back for McGuinness, which you mentioned earlier, Will, which was positive to see him back, what, how much of an impact do you feel he made, although it was a 1-0 loss? Well, the stats here, Brian, in front of me... Um... He had 16 draw one, 100% ground draws one, one block, four inceptions. I'll tell you what, a fact for you, Millwall, like, uh, they completed their first league double since 1974 and 1975 against us. Bloody hell. So, they've gone back. <sighs> Terrible, and, isn't it? As you mentioned as well, Tom Bradshaw, Welsh International, only three caps, which is really interesting to see. He gets a double you're you're in, you're out. Maybe Mike des- deserves a call this year, we'll see, but probably not, but... Yeah, it was good to see McGuinness back, Brands. He's just a lot quicker on the ball, especially in the second half. He just received it, got the ball out wide quicker because, especially recently, he's like so predictable. 
the ball was going mm. out too slow. Teams yeah. already drifted before the, the ball was there. Mm. But and obviously he was getting the we missed that aerial threat and when teams tried like pay uh put on NG at the end of the game, we had McGuinness Day constantly just heading the ball away. Nothing yeah. is NG but that uh, aerial pre- um is that presence. And even corners then we actually crossed the ball. We had, we had Kipre and McGuinness in the box. So yeah. it was a bit of a threat and then you got like, Davis and Setras running around trying to get the, the second balls. Milt Nafe, do you feel that McGuinness could make a big difference now on the second half of the season because he made such a affect the Sheffield Wednesday and they were gutted to let him go. Do you feel like him being back at the club now, will he rather see a shit-run football club that he does want to be a part of or maybe an opportunity to step up and take a responsibility as a main defender? Probably the former, to be honest with you, Brent. Uh, you know, when you're in... When you're in a club where you know it's dysfunctional and then you go out on loan and you you get to a club that's, you know, functioning okay, even though it's a step down, and you've got a manager who understands the games, like got a really tight squad and, you know, going great guns and you're part of it, it it's actually mm-hmm. a relief. It's actually it, it, it it's actually like you're in work and you don't really enjoy your job to go into work where you're loving your job every day and then you're asking that person then come back to your club not because it's now being run right but sort of like well we need all the help we can get and you're our player so listen hopefully for the young lad because I think he's he's potentially a cracking sort of player I think he's got some really good potential about him uh, and he proved that you know, and it doesn't it doesn't surprise me working with Darren Moore who was a a, a a good centre half himself and got a great understanding of the game and is a very, very good coach and manager. It doesn't surprise me with that sort of settled because I think it, it it's easy to overlook that. Right? Why all of a sudden does he go out on loan and, and become, you know, what he is, hit his best form? And you might say, Oh, well he stepped down and I'd say, Okay, but you know, it's it's not a million miles away from championship. We've already said the championship isn't great this year, right? Mm. So, you know, is that part of the reasoning that he's like at the settled club with a settled squad with a manager who can give him sort of lots of help and experience on like don't do this, don't do that, don't go in so tight there, give yourself another half a yard. You know, when the striker's making this run, you've got to be more in this position rather than this position. Don't get, you know, all these things, you know, uh, uh, and experiences that can be given or were being able to be given to the player. So I would have thought, you know, not that he's like getting to come back or anything like that, but you go from a successful winning team to a <laughs> unsuccessful losing team. Where would you rather be? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, again, that's just human nature. No, None of us would say, oh, fans across Cardiff, the Valleys, wherever, it doesn't matter what fan you are, you want to be part of a success story in anything you do. Tell what we've got about as well. There was a protest, wasn't it, before that game? Um, yeah, before the Millwall game. There was flares going off, um, a lot of chanting, tan outs, ball, sat the boards, always be blue. And to be fair, when it came, when it came to the game, it was one or two chances before the kickoff, but they let the fans let the players play. Didn't really get on top of them, but as soon as it went wrong, it got louder, louder, more board chants, and 
it's hostile, and if the players like playing at home must feel like playing away at the moment in the Kazakh Stadium. Hundred percent. As soon as you one mistake, everyone's on you, which is just the frustration in the moment of the, how the club's being run. Hundred percent. Well, just to note on that, we have not we have not won a home fixture since one 0 against Rotherham in late October. So that just backs up your point there. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, the ownership of have ever seen real hostility from our fans. They've been worn down in so many different ways. Do you know what I mean? You look at all the the the, the last ten years. It's it's some, it's always something major going on or something major behind the scenes. The Malky Mackay situation, how long that dragged out. You know the red situation, the bad situation, how long that dragged out. You know. The situation with God rest him, Emilio Salah uh, and the the flight uh, Robert Ibbotson, I think it was, you know, that saga that's still playing out. It's like it's like it's it's it just fans are worn, yeah. right? But they're, they're very like if you understand like they should they've had like two peaks of success, so they should be able to understand. Their home, their their home fans by now, but you know, Cardiff's a Cardiff's a real tribal sort of fan base. Mm. You know what I mean, that's why you know they people might they might not understand at the top why there's uh, a huge rivalry with Millwall, why there's a huge rivalry with Leeds. You know, all these teams are firms yeah. <laughs> from back in the eighties, right? Seventies, eighties, nineties. These are firms and. Yeah, they're tribes, and it's tribal warfare when you go up against them. So that's that Will's just produced of uh, doing the double since the 70s. Again, now it hurt, doing double like the Swans doing the double against us. You know, do you know how much, like, while you're away from the club, the owners, you realise what happens on social media, if you understand that now, right? <laughs> there's the There's the opening for you to be, you know, Potted and proked, and and all that does is create disdain and anger. And you know, the fans will get to the point where they will sort of demonstrate. And you know, you you, you don't want you, you, like I always say, I don't, I wouldn't condone anything stupid. Never in a month of Sundays, but you're only ever a stakeholder. You never own the football club. You're a stakeholder. 100%. I think, especially with our boards, they, they really do forget who, not just who, like, have kept this club going, but who basically are running the club now. Do you know what I mean? And when I mean running, I mean keeping it going. But obviously, when you, when you connect that with a businessman, it's hard to, certain businessmen, it's hard to correlate that. Also, as well, like, at the moment, no man's been put in. It's been like a week, two weeks. However long it's been, and also that's just gonna build up more anger before the fans. Going perfect opportunity now as a manager coming, and we've like wasted, and it's January as well. We got yeah, like, we only got like a week left of January to buy some players. So, is it all these ads after me? How, how many times have that happened? Well, how many times have we sat there being like, what is going on? But fortunately, it's now time to move on to the fans' reactions, which goes right on topic. In regards to the sacking of manager Mark Hudson. So, our fans' reactions for this week. We put on the Twitter asking what your thoughts would be on what's next after the sacking. And first up, we got 
Reese Davis saying a manager like Warburton on a two and a half year deal, no more of his interim till the end of the season. Let's bring someone tidy in and back them. Win or lose. Well, Will, what do you make of Reese Davis's comments of bringing in a manager like Warburton on a hefty two and a half year deal? Well, he's he's okay. Isn't he? He's someone like you could probably do the job, but Brian, this week I've been like I've had so much insight into different things. So, mm. for example, um, I had a lesson in uni this week, and we talked about Bill Parcells. Yeah. All right, Bill, if you don't know Bill Parcells, yeah, you manage in New York Giants NFL, and you you, went, you only won three games in the whole season. So at the end of the season, they let him go, and they said to him, "Thank you for your thing. You could you could reinterview for the job, but we're gonna look mm. for someone else." They didn't find good enough people to come through, so he ended up having a job again. And what Bill Parcells did was he changed his attitudes. So he he started confronting players about the weakness. But you also try to build a culture brand, but for success, like for example, one of his kickers, one of his kickers missed the ball. Instead of getting jump on him, he was like, right, what what, what happened? And he just said, and he left it like that. So he's like, we well, need a sort of manager who can come in, tell the players, right, this is this is your weaknesses, this is your strengths. This is how you're going to do it. But obviously, this was a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago with Brian as well, so obviously the game's changed. But we do need that sort of like mentality, the manager to come in and say, right, I'm going to fix this, and this is my way. I'm going to build some sort of culture here, I'm going to sign the players I want, which obviously goes back to the board then, and they need to get the right staff. Because mm. um, especially this week as well, Brian, I've had people from Leighton Orient and Aston Villa speak to me, and they were talking about um, how... Their clubs have like uh, progressed over the years, and later Orient, for example, I, I I know the clubs do get interns in, but later Orient's getting a couple of analysts interns, couple um, physio science, couple of coaches, all interns. But there's a pathway for them to get better and better and better. And then the players, like later Orient is in London, yeah, the players, I'm not sure what league they are in, but like the players don't want to be there in that league, but they all they all know that. Do you know what I mean? They all know they're in that position. And they're all working towards getting to the Championship, getting to the Premier League. And they're all in there for themselves. Instead of fighting to say, oh, we've lost this, we've lost that. They're doing the best. And when you hear teams like that are doing things like that, getting extra people in, being smart. We've got, we've got two universities, and oh, we've got three or four universities, especially in Cardiff, sport-wise, two or three, that can really like, supplement and give Cardiff the best resources, the, the best analysts, the best phys- physios, the best coaches. And... I know they do do that, but they could do it more. They get more people in, get more data as possible. Well, I think it just looks at the club. The club has never really invested too highly into the external, no external well resources. Well, look at the academy for the past ten years since the new ownership has come in. We've had two come through, like really two come through, yeah, like, like and that's it, the past ten yeah. years. We we've cleared that. We're not using the resource which you mentioned so many times in this pod that we're not using Cardiff to what the potential it can be. Because I I know the academy do get like analysis and they got they got these physios and coaches but like I I watched Moneyball last night Brands and there's a story of Oakland Athletics basketball team a Billy Bean and it was played by Brad Pitt I recommend watch it tonight if you're listening to it this and um, what he did was but he brought an analyst in they were the lowest they're the lowest budget in the in the league they um won the worst teams and they left they literally lost their best players so it seems similar to us yeah and. All they did was he brought this analyst in, a data analyst, and all they did was go through players like uh, bats and how how often they get on on the base and how, their balls and catches and all this uh, baseball terminology, 
another idea was get players who just did certain things, and players who, obviously in in that uh, sport, they were judged on their looks and the personality and all that. But they went, they looked through that. They just looked through just data alone. And what I'm trying to say is, if if I obviously if Tan, whoever does come in or whatever happens, what they should do is just invest the most money in the staff as possible, build a, a base, a culture in the club, a certain philosophy. pathway, a philosophy within the club. And by them investing the money into the staff and the analysts and the physios and getting the best possible, you could then get a manager of your type and that, that manager could play that sort of style. Instead of spending all the money on players, invest more within the staff and get that sort of culture of, of extra people interned from the Cardiff Met, Cardiff Uni, USW to work within the team. But and, then, been... and then you could eventually look at the buying the best players, but maybe looking more, a bit like Brentford, for example, they did a bit of the money ball thing I'm on about. They've, and Burnley right now, they've gone for like, these players that no one really knows of, but for the cheap, that's what we've got to look at. And then get a manager then who's happy to do that and then work with those players. And then you could buy better players then. Well, this is what we've been asking for years, is a philosophy at the club. Because unfortunately, it did get deteriorated as the new ownership came in. So it's what we've been asking for years and years, but you hit the bang on the money there, well, do you know what I mean? But it's dreams and hopes, unfortunately. That's <laughs> all we can hope for, unfortunately. You can only, all we can hope for... So what do you think about bringing in a manager like Warburton then? Uh, uh, I I don't know, mate. Honestly, I I I don't think it it matters too much. I, I keep saying I think like uh, the problem is above the management level. You know, mm. uh, you could get a, a a good CEO in, but if he doesn't have the ability to be able to speak his mind and go against Vincent Tan and be then accountable for those decisions, you know, it won't work. You can't have the club is so dysfunctional because uh, the top doesn't understand what it's doing. There is no board, so there is no accountability and. The owner, who's more of a dictator, makes decisions on a whim. So, without understanding the game. And I think we've heard that in people who have left the club and since done interviews and saying, like, what happens at times at, you know, uh, pre-season or, you know, in the dressing room and the owner comes in and says things, you know, it, it, it it's laughable. But, listen, mate, it's... it's it doesn't like for me. We've had experienced managers. We've had young managers. We've had like I've I've said Eddie Newton's name on this podcast so many times, right? Eddie Newton. I've worked with Eddie Newton for many many years, even at, when he was at Chelsea, uh, helping him with the the um, the loan department. You know, watching players, understanding players, bringing players in, a scouting recruitment system throughout the club. Now, I see how it worked at Chelsea because I would go in there regularly. I see like what it takes to, you know, create a winning mentality. Do you know what I mean? That I've had at clubs flittingly. When you get promotion, that, that, that you know, that winning mentality, you, you, you see it, everyone's on the same boat and, you know, not just the 11 men, the squad, you know, the coaching staff, the, the the staff in the the club who run the club day to day, people around the training ground, everyone's in you know going in the same direction. So, you know, I, I like I say, I don't think it matters. I think what'll happen is whoever you bring in are already wary of 
the situation with the owner because everyone knows it. And we've had so much turmoil, you know, like the, the, the Salah thing, like I just mentioned, you know, it's still running, it's turmoil, you know, and that situation is horrible to witness, the whole thing. You just don't want to be associated with it. So for me, until you get an owner who's willing to say to his chairman and his CEO, or not even his chairman so much, I think you know, that position is kind of obsolete now. The CEO's running things, and the CEO has got to oversee the whole club. He's got to understand the club, understand the fan base, understand what it is you're trying to achieve, and then put a plan A together, plan B and plan C, just in case plan B fails or plan C, right? You, you've got backup you can go to. But listen, it's dysfunctional. Like I said, it's, it's just many moving parts. It's not together at all. So until that happens, I think you might get lucky and bring in a Neil Warnock and you get promoted, but then a year later you're relegated and you're, then you're back into... You know, now we've got to get rid of all these players. You know, you, 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 the success of the club so far over the 12 years of uh, this current ownership has been short-lived. Flitting moments, two flitting moments, you know. And what is it, once you get that promotion, what is it you're trying to achieve? You know, if, if, you, if you for one minute thought you were going to achieve promotion, first with Neil Warnock... I think we were all surprised when we got it. But then if you think like you're going to stay in the Premier League for the next five years with Neil as your manager, well, you know, it's very, very unlikely. You know, so, you know, put your plans back in place that you had before Neil came in. Uh, that, that's the problem. They didn't have plans before Neil came, came yeah, in. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In, what my, were they in, my, in my mind, I'm thinking, well... <laughs> You know, the, the, the Neil coming in SOS was something that just where your plan has gone a bit pear-shaped. You get it back on track. You get promotion. Oh my, you get saved first. You get promotion the second season. Great. Right. What was my plan A again? Right. I was going to go. We were this type of player. This. So you don't allow all these influx of players that are Neil Warnock type players. Yeah. That I always said, anyone tell you, I've said it four or five years ago, you know, it means you have to go through three, four, five transfer windows to rebuild the squad into what is what Cardiff City fans want to see. Yes, they want to see wins, but they want to see it in a style of football that they enjoy. Now, Neil, I think everyone will say, done brilliant as a manager, promotions left, right and centre. But his football leaves a lot to be desired, as simple as that. So, you know, is there longevity in that? Especially when everyone else is ball on the floor, carpet football, or a majority of, you know, scoring good goals, something that's it's entertainment. Yeah. That's what you. That's what you've got to always bear in mind. I'm as a player. It was my responsibility, and it took me probably a year and a half, two years to understand that at Cardiff, and then you go on to become like a main fixture of the team. But it's your responsibility to entertain. Your fans. Yeah. Brian, it comes back to that thing I just said with the, the, the Moneyball film and, as I mentioned, like Leighton Orient and teams like that who, who invest into their staff and getting interns and getting these extra people in, they're eventually going to catch up to us, brands. Like Even like Sunderland, another example. I don't know what about Sunderland, but like, big club, big fan back in, sorted themselves out, paid, bought 
like the, was it the training ground they rebuilt stuff and yeah. now they're back in thing they all have culture so is that honestly anyone listen watch the Moneyball film and you understand where I'm coming from but that's like the background is what we need that, that's sort of philosophy yeah i mean i mean i mean the money the, the money ball thing i the money ball thing i would i would agree and and disagree because the money ball thing is built on statistics now i seen a game the other day liverpool played somewhere i forget it was statistically liverpool had 70 percent of the game and lost one nil right so statistics can tell you a thousand lies or a thousand truths i say it all the time what happens is you couldn't just adopt the money ball because in football, especially, I think in that American sport, baseball, it's so vast, right, that people go and come back. Football has always got this family sort of culture, right? Whenever we've been successful, I talk about Cardiff City, successful, uh, Bolton when we won promotion, you've always got this sort of family affair feeling going on. You're all entwined in each other's sort of lives, not every day, but players spend time with each other. The wives go out eating. They, you know, kids are in the same school sort of thing. And you might live in different areas, but then you'll have a coming together with the lads every sort of weekend or every couple of weeks. Or, you know what I mean? You go out once a week and once every week with the afternoon, the club takes you out for lunch together. You all spend time. There's that feeling that has to be brought together. So... Yes, you can you can base on statistics, but you need to know personalities, right? It's nothing worse than a knobhead in a dressing room, right? That pisses people off, you know. And I, I don't mean you have to be a knobhead. Usually the ones who are light-hearted, jovial, make the jokes, get on great. It might be the guy who doesn't want to be here. It might be the guy who hates the manager. It might be the guy who had a problem with one of the players like a couple of weeks ago and it's not been let go. You know, senior players would usually step in, but, you know, depending on what that is, if I've, like, had a tear-up with someone in training, I usually forget it, forgotten. If someone has said something about one of my kids or my missus or something, that's generally not forgotten. So that feeling of family and togetherness is so important in football. That's why they say the expression football family, right? you know, throughout football. That's how it's envisaged. And to get that sort of... You look at, like, the most successful teams and when they've been most successful, how close the players are with the manager, with the team. Everything is in sync. So I, 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 I would be wary of just going on the statistical analysis of players and what they can do. You do have to see them. And it's so important, like... Mate, if I'm signing a new brand, or you will, I'm checking your family and what they do. I'm going, like, with a... I'm going up the ass, mate, as far as I can go. <laughs> you know what I mean? I am checking everything about you, right? As much as I can get from your school to your, your, your youth football to who your manager was then, you know. And you, with, with enough people's opinions, you'll find out if I'm a good lad or not. Now, if you're going abroad to do that, you know, you might think, ah, oh, well, you know, how are you going to do it? You have to do it. You have to find people in that country who can give you some background upon, you know, usually you go to the media boys, they'll have someone who knows someone, or you can go and check that. He used to go to that school. You, know, you find out about the player's background and what kind of lad he is, and you fit that personality in. It's not just the player, right? And if you're trying to, it's, 
like recruitment and, and scouting, I can't overemphasize how important it is. It's like it's like the golden ticket. Right? But you have to have a team. You have to have scouts who are up your northwest, northeast, down south. You have to have people you can contact in Norway, Sweden, Denmark. You have to have connections in France, in Germany, you know, who are the League Two players, League Three players, are there any rough diamonds in there? You know, you have to have these, you know, Italy, you know, Europe you should have covered. You know, and then if you've got like my mate who's over in Australia, you've got people who can go and watch games for you, you know, watch watch the, the top leagues, the second divisions. Oh, go and spy this, go and spy that. Like, I've always said, like, by now, we should have, like, a Malaysian player or three within our team who've come in and sold on. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, that was all, all these ideas were great, but how you achieve success at them is a different gig, right? So we've had the academy in Malaysia. You know, what's it provided? Now... You know, we've had the owner then have shares in other clubs, which I think is a great thing. Why? Because uh, Ruben Carwell at 18, I send him over to play in that league in Belgium or wherever. Right? You know, this yeah. you don't get a choice. This is part of your development. Do you know what I mean? It's like Chelsea used to, I think it was, um, used to use uh, Vitesse, I think it was, in, in, yeah, in Holland. Yeah, right. So I've seen that set up, how it rolls, and it's so successful. Because how many, you know, people used to complain about uh, Chelsea's model, and then everyone followed it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, putting your players out on loan, like, you know, it's not rocket science. You know, that's been around since day one. If I want Will to improve, and he's not quite good enough for championship level, and, you know, I don't want him... To play in League One because that's not the style of football we play. Well, can I look at my club in Belgium? Or I think the other one was Sarajevo, wherever it was. Can I go and put him on loan in a league, you know, La Liga or you know, League Two club in France, uh, 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 and make him learn like because they play in a more of a style that we play. Go on, but it's it's important, mate. It's it's like it's like the golden key to your club, understanding the philosophy and then having a way of. You know, helping players mature uh, and come into your first team. You know, I get. I mean, recently we changed the the academy manager, head of the academy. Yeah. All right. Like, yeah, I okay. feel sorry for that dude because, <laughs> you know, he's probably thinking kind of city. He's probably a fan gone in there and is thinking, oh yeah, right, great. But then you go in there and think, well, it's dysfunctional. It's not functioning right. You know, I coach kids. I get the best of, coach them for them to go up into the 21s, 23s, and you know, and you can have a 15, 16 year old these days if he's good enough, then he bypasses playing up at the 23. In you go at first team, go and train with the first team. When you come out of school and school holidays, you train with the first team. I've seen that all the way back in my day. So it's nothing new. It's not, you know, rewriting. It's slightly different now in ways, but you know, it's just so many things like. Like we, like I say, the, the the current ownership play at it. They haven't got a clue how to do it. And I don't say that to be derogatory. I don't say that because oh, it's a throwaway comment. Listen, 
when you've been in there and you understand it and what you understand takes success and then you retire and you're still around very successful football clubs, you understand how it all functions. And you look at us and we are dysfunctional. So I agree with Will because stats do play an important part. But also, like I said, there's the other side. There's the personality of the player. It's, it's no good having great stats and being a, a dickhead in the dressing room upsetting everybody. That's, that's just yeah. counter, counteractive, like, you know? 100%. Well, may, mainly of the fans' reactions are towards the board. Another one here is by Richie Lou. Rich Lewis. Richie What's going Lewis. on, Rich? Richie Rich. He said, Brian Clough once said that if the board sacked the manager that they have appointed, then they should too be sacked. That's so evident at our club. How many more managers and squad overhauls do we have to go through before Tan and Co piss off for good? Enough is enough. Hashtag Tan out. Well, Rich, just saying what we're all feeling, mate. <laughs> well, I think, I, think, I think the problem is is that people keep thinking that there's some sort... Not, not generally. We, I think us fans now, we understand. But there are still pockets of people who... You know, well, who else are you going to get instead of Vincent Tan? And I'm like... It, 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 you know, it's a club that can be sold. There are going to be interested parties in it. I mean, you know, anyone who've watched anyone who've watched uh, the Wales games in that stadium over the last five ten years can see what it can achieve. Anyone who's seen us when we were in the Premier League against Man City have seen what that stadium can achieve. Right, you've got a huge fan base which you've not. You've probably at Within Wales itself, you're probably only at probably 75% of the fan base you could really pull in. You could probably pull in another, on top of a 35,000 all-seater full stadium, you could probably put another 15,000 on there if Cardiff were a continual success, with continued success. So, you know, it, 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 what I say is it, it's, it's difficult to create but easy. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. If you understand yeah. what you're doing... It's a step-by-step. Step. And, and you, you, you dedicate it... Because it... Like, I look at, uh, at um, Ken Chu and Mehmet now. Those dudes should have bags under their eyes bigger than pillows, bro. Because it's <laughs> 24-7, relentless, 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 relentless. You eat, sleep, drink, dream about the club and how it's going to improve, how you're going to make it better continuously, right? But A goes to B, and B fits into C, and C goes on to D, and D fits into E, so on and so forth, right? And you might splinter from time to time, but like I said earlier, come back to your plans. But thinking that, oh, we just go and get a striker now, that'll solve the problem if we don't score goals. That's what you said with Callum Robinson, Oh, we'll go and get a manager now, a different manager. That'll, that'll solve the problem with the team not playing well. Uh, it's constantly passing the buck around. That's what we'd say in football. You pass the buck. Yeah. If you don't take that pass on and give it to your mate, I don't see Brandon open, but I don't want to take the risk, so I'll pass it to Will. Safe. That's passing the buck, mate. It's say, you know, Nate, take, account, take uh, responsibility and pass the ball. If he intercepts it, then you need to improve next time on... How you pass the ball. So, you know, I look, I look at us and just think, yeah, we're just, we're just, just too dysfunctional to pull together very quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
vicious circle. A vicious circle, a vicious circle, to say the least. Well, the next reaction is off Philip Moss. What are you saying, P Moss? He said, in terms of next manager, he said it will be Warnock, I think. Now, this has been a conversation that has been had very much around the fan base. Many different opinions. I'm just going to give my say on it quickly. Please, 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 no. Please, please, no. If I wake up tomorrow and I see on my phone Warnock has been hired, I've mentioned this to Nathan before. I'm taking a two-week holiday. You've got to give me a two-week holiday. I'm needing it. I'm needing it. I'm needing it. No matter what I got booked, no matter what, anything, I needed a two-week holiday just to forget about the world. Go- to forget that the world goes round. No, what's your opinion, Will? How would you well, feel if Warnock... You haven't got the players that, that he's suited to. And it's almost the end of January, so I don't know what he could do in a week's time. He probably could work something. But <laughs> then you're creating that mess again. I just, it could have back the start. And I would, I would much well. rather a war knock in about two months' time if he's still struggling. <laughs> and just to get best, just get his results. That's what, that's why I'm wanting. But I don't know who else we get. Um, was it Sam Adler's got linked and he, he ruled himself out of the job? Um... <laughs> I do house. <laughs> it's a mess. Um, when did Warlock take over? Then... Was this 16, 17 or 17, 18? 17, 18? And 18, 19 promotion? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. It was... 17, 18, 18 to took over. 17, 18 took I think, over. And then uh, 18, 19 promotion. 18, 19 promotion. So, 17, 18. So, five years, you've come full circle. Full circle. You're back to... If anything, we'll wait us off, let's be honest. If anything, we'll wait us off. So there's your, there's your progression. There's, there's, there's your fans' hard-earned money going down the freaking drain, right? You pay your hard-earned money to be entertained, to see a club successful, and you've jumped on the yellow brick road, but you've not got the Oz. You've come back to Munchkin Land and thought, hold on. <laughs> What's going on here? Where's Emerald City? Uh, No, 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 no. You've just gone in that circle and come back. Like a dog chasing his tail. You've heard me say that before, right, Brian? Yeah, yeah. And then every so often, the dog catches it and you laugh at the dog when he thinks he can hold it. Look, no, we've just come full circle. So for me, uh, like I said at at the outset, it doesn't matter. The fact that we're having the conversation... Sums us up, says exactly where you are. You're back to square one where you were five years ago. That you're, you're, It's even being spoken about, I can't believe. You know, and I think Neil is trying to, trying to get himself more upstairs, which I'm like, oh my God, like, oh. <laughs> so last in control of players, like, no, 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 no. Let's, 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 that's even worse, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> uh, no, I personally listen. I thank him for what he'd done at the time, which was a, a stopgap. Like I said, I would have, I would have um, cut that short once promotion had been achieved and uh, and moved back on to Plan A. But you know, if that's if that's what happens, it happens. But like I say, I, I don't think it really matters, mate. To be honest with you, boys, Just, it wouldn't surprise me. No, well. Well, you've got to look at it as well is how, how you're viewed by other managers, uh, by other, uh, as a club, you know. Are there managers going, oh, I'd love to get involved there right now? Or are they going, that's a bit of a car crash. That could actually, that could not be useful for my CV. Well, 
Speaking of next managers, before we go on to the next reaction, I can give you the odds what the bookies are saying of the next managers right here, right now. And it's changed a lot, especially since uh, Sam Allardyce came and uh, ruled it out. <laughs> but uh, right now, the favourite right now, with the odds at 2-1, to one, is Dean Smith. Dean Smith. Mm. Which would be, be very interesting, to say the least. Very interesting, Elise. And then, Sam Allardyce... Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen, 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 listen. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm listening. Dean Smith. I'm listening. It don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter. Right? Dean might have success, but it will be short-lived. I'm not living, looking for short-lived success. You know, we've been in this situation for too long, man. It's like, come on, enough already. How much do how much you think you could take? You, you, you know, some fans will be uplifted by it. I guarantee you, give it 18 months, two years maximum, he's not at the club. All right? That's where we are. You know, Dean Smith will think he's right. Vincent Town will think he's right. Bang. All right? You've got no one sort of running the club, sporting director, CEO, who will say the... Uh, a CEO, sporting director, should be able to say to Mr. Tan, this is what I'm talking about. No... Dean is right. This is actually part of the plan, what we need to get to this level of success. Right? Can't be afraid to say that. Can't be afraid to go against the owner. What happens at the moment, you've got a CEO who just goes, yes, 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 yes. Oh, and yes. Right? That can't happen. You know, why... Because you don't actually know, like, the direction we're supposed to be going in yourself. So you can't keep saying, you know, yes. And you can't keep following this person if every time you get to a destination, it's, it's the wrong place. You know, when you're going to accept, you don't know where the destination Eagle, is. Eagle's yeah, opinion yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. Exactly. But, you know, now you're going to a club where your billionaire doesn't really matter because you're not putting any of that billions in. You don't want to anymore because you've just been, you realise I'm going to be putting good money after bad. So does your ego swallow your pride and say, actually, I don't know and I've made some mistakes. So let me get some people in who can really help me, who I can trust and can, you know, can look after my money like it's, look after my money like it's their money. Right? Not trying to do this, not trying to have my pants down, not trying and help me create a football club from under 10s to senior level. It's, it's, yeah. listen, it's, it's, well, it doesn't matter. I will say in Tan's defence, if he actually did know how many people at that club were putting his pants down, I think he would be back to see where his money's going. But on to the next reaction <laughs> now is off Gareth Bowles, big up G. What he's saying, he says, what's next? Dot, dot, dot. I'd get down the club ASAP and hang around long enough you might get off with the manager's job. Failing <laughs> that I'm sending him my football manager CV, I think I'm in with a shout. Well, honestly, Gareth, I would laugh. I really would laugh and, you know, get in on it. But it's not a joke. Well, it's remember when joke. we had the, uh, who was it? The uh, the kid, Vincent Tad's friend's kid who came in as, like, in some important position in the club. Can you remember that? Like... Oh, that was years yeah, can ago. You remember I was that, when we were in Redwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you remember that? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, he came in as not not a CEO. It what might have it? been a CEO or something like that. They sacked someone. 
or a secretary or someone like that and brought someone in and it's like is like you know that's what I'm talking it's about. Or something, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's so much. Yeah. Wow. GB is right. You might get the job. It's an achievable dream. Yeah, yeah. It's an achievable yeah, get dream. Get yourself that energy. Get yourself down it's there. It's a very, very. Although you won't see him down there, so you'd have to probably jump on a, on a flight to Malaysia. <laughs> but you know, it's possible, mate. We're saying that it's possible for mm. you. The opportunity's there if you want to. Yeah, take it. yeah. It's like it's like it's Ooh. like that program. What is it with Alan Sugar? Uh, I believe that is called Apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Hey, it could happen. Hey, it could happen. Vincent Tan. That's a show for you, Vincent. I'm just saying, if you want to make your money back, Vincent Tan's number that's two. That's a show for you, my friend. Yeah, yeah. That's a show yeah. for you. The dictator, they call it, instead of the apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks to everyone that put their fans' questions in. We much appreciate you. Make sure to put in for the next episode. I know you're weary, Cardiff fans. I know you're weary, but just keep that in mind. It will change one day. When? One we day. don't know, but one keep day. the faith, man. And when you do, we'll host keep the Swaz party at your nearest... Uh, <laughs> Clubhouse. Uh, nearest um, Clubhouse? Yeah. Pub, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Nearest building. Legend, your nearest building center, will be We'll have a discotheque, angel cake and everything. 100%. Jam tarts. We'll, we'll rent out Eastern Leisure Centre. Get a disco going on in there. <laughs> <laughs> now remember, we're at Swaz Pod on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So like, love, share, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. Now, we're moving on to the next segment of the show. And I could already see Will start to smile and get all bubbled and excited because the next segment is Guess the Bluebird. This is the segment of the show where mine and the guest's Bluebird knowledge is tested, where we simply guess the Bluebird. Now, Will, mm-hmm. who have we got this week, sir? Right. This player began his career at Cardiff City. Nathan's not ready for this. Nathan's not ready. He got his career at Cardiff City. Go on. In, in 2000. And he was okay. from 2000 to 2005, playing 66 games, scoring three goals. He then joined West Ham United in 2005, staying there from 2005 to 2009, playing 54 games, scoring two goals. Before then joining Aston Villa in 2009 to 2012, playing 91 games, five goals. Then joining West Ham again in 2012 to 2018. Playing 134 games in that period, scoring four goals. Before then, finishing his career off at Ipswich Town in 2009. Playing six oh. games. Zero goals. Could you do me a favour? Could you, could you go through after, <laughs> yeah. after Cardiff? <laughs> so you went to Cardiff at the 2000. Go on, go. So you went to Cardiff. I thought I had it. And then go on. From Cardiff to West Ham. Yeah. So joined West Ham in 2005. <gasps> then left West Ham yeah. in 2009. The joined yeah. Aston Villa. James Collins. Then left Aston... Oh, I was about to say that. <laughs> it's the James Collins. Yeah, that's James. West Ham oh, Aston Villa. Okay, literally... Ginge, that's Ginge. West Ham Aston Villa. When he said it the first time, I wasn't sure, and then I thought West Ham. Well, there's only Gabs and Ginge, and then Villa. Yeah, yeah. Nah, come on, mate. You'll do better. That's literally nah. bang on what I was thinking. Nah, you were See, I've been waiting that, for Will uh, to look finish. At Brandon, just trying to steal my thunder. You didn't know nothing. No, You'll be there till next week. Uh, <laughs> I was being a courteous young man and then Will finish because you know as I as I requested him to you know repeat what he said I was waiting for finish and then I was gonna say it. Okay, you know what I mean well, it's a competition, but mate. you gotta take it. You gotta you know I don't wait for you to score. I just wrap it in your net. Oh, and wheel away with that right. one finger in the air. Yeah. All right, you just took my penalty, mate. I ran for about three players, got fouled in the box, and you just picked up the ball and put it on the spot. Yeah. That's but all. But what you gotta ask yourself? What you gotta ask yourself is did he score? 
Alright, oh, <laughs> right, stats don't mean everything. We mentioned this. Stats can tell you a thousand truths and a thousand lies, mate. That's going to tell you a thousand truths and a thousand lies. I do believe that's the second time I've got it, Well, yeah? I got it a few... Uh, yeah. What was the one we had um, when I first came on? You oh, chucked wow. a really good one at this. I can't remember what it was, but I'm sure I got that one as well. I don't think you did. My, my money's... Uh, <laughs> the, the bookies are saying uh, not so much. The bookies Mate, for university so grad, you're a bit slow, aren't you? Oh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> And we've both got ginger beers. Oh, my legendary. Oh, my legendary. Yeah, the legendary. The legendary James Collins. Go on, Big up James Collins. Big respect to the man. Big up yourself. Big up yourself. Well, this week's guest of Bluebirds, unfortunately, guest by Nathan Blake, is James Collins. Ah, Well, brings us on to the next segment of the show, which is the Cardiff City's women's section. Welcome back to the Cardiff City Women's Section. We're back for another episode. And of course, we are joined once again by Bluebirds women defender, Hannah Power. How's it going, Hannah? How was the holidays? Yeah, it was good, thank you. Is this the first one of the new year? It's the first one of the new year of 2023. Oh, happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. <laughs> Feels strange saying that, 24th of <laughs> January, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're here. Well, before we get into any games, how do you feel the holiday breaker impacted the team? I think it had a positive impact on us as a team. I think we were ready for a break. We'd had such a busy schedule before the holidays. So I think everybody was just, it was just nice to have a break and have some rest. Um, but we all did keep ticking over over the holidays. We had our SNC coach, Maisie, gave us all individual programmes to do over Christmas. So that was good. So, because we knew it was important to start the new year all guns blazing. So naturally, you do come back with a slight bit of rustiness, but I think the break did us good as a whole, and then we came back straight into fitness. So it was like we'd never been away anyway. Mm. And did you? Did the whole team stay in contact during the holidays? Oh yeah, definitely on our WhatsApp group. I know a few girls met up over the holidays. We are a very close team, mm. so that was really good that people did still see each other over the holidays. But it's also nice to get a break because sometimes you see each other more <laughs> and you, then you see your family, so... I can imagine. Well, nominated for Player of the Month of the month of December was goalkeeper Karen Chamberlains, Captain Siobhan Walsh, Lily Billingham and Meg Saunders. Siobhan Walsh took home the award. How crucial has she been in leading this team in this such incredible season? Siobhan is a natural-born leader. She is the epitome of what a Cardiff City captain should be. And she leads on and off the pitch. And honestly, she doesn't get the credit she deserves. I think being a defender, sometimes the spotlight shines a lot on the attacking players and those who create the chances. But without Siobhan, we wouldn't be the team we are. She's the rock in our defence. So I'm so happy that she won Player of the Month. There's such a, a good award for Siobhan to have because she deserves it. Mm. Well, first game of the year, of the new year, should I say. So a set up against Landano Ladies, which resulted in a huge 10-0 win at home to book ourselves a place in the Adran Trophy semi-finals. Striker Phoebe Porn netted a class hat-trick while Shabon Walsh and Lily Billingham scored a brace each with Danielle Broadhurst, Danielle Green and Fionn Price also on the score sheet. How emphatic was this win in the quest for the Adjan Trophy and the quest for the treble? Yeah, it was a great result for us. There's always a positive buzz when we win a game, but especially winning a game just after Christmas and booking your place in a semi-final. Everyone was really happy and it keeps that treble hope alive, which is really good. <laughs> 
Um, but Clan did know have always been a tough game team to play. Every time we've played them, it's been a tough game. So we weren't underestimating them, especially because they kicked Swansea out of the cup. And the previous week, they played Cardiff Met and gave them a good run for their money. So we knew we had to start the game strong, and we definitely did. We came straight out from the first whistle and... We just went straight in, scoring a goal pretty much straight away. So it was a really good game for us. Great to like blow off the Christmas cobwebs and get lots of people on the score sheet. How did the game come so easy to the girls? I mean, 10-0, that's not, that's not a small victory. No, I know. I think it was just the desire to go out and get into the semi-final. Everybody just had so much desire to just go out there and win the game. And we said straight away in our team talk just before kickoff. We need to start fast. We know that what we need to do, our passing, they're obviously in a league below us and they're not going to be used to the pace that we play in the in the Gennaro Adam Premier. So we just knew that we just need to start strong and not underestimate and think this is going to be an easy game. Because I think the times when you think those games are going to be easy, you don't play your best, you go down to a lower standard. Yeah. So I think we just stayed at the standard we knew we needed to be at. Well, the Sunday afternoon after, so the girls win 5-1 after a fantastic second-half performance after going 1-0 down in the 27th minute straight from a corner. But come the second half, substitute Rianne Oakley making an instant impact to tie it up, then taking the lead in the 60th minute through Fionn Price, who struck a brilliant effort into the bottom corner. Poole then calmly slotted one away, but then minutes between each other, two headed goals from Skipper Shabon Walsh, who we mentioned, from one from the left and one from the right. What did Coach Ian Davisher say half-time to promote such a fierce comeback? He just basically said, you know, believe in yourselves, I believe in you. He was very calm. He normally mm. gives us about five minutes before he comes in after half-time to chat amongst ourselves. So us girls, we had a, a chat. We were saying, you know, this game is still in our hands. Abba had a player sent off just before mm. half-time, so they were down to 10 men. So... You know, we believed that the gaps would be there this second half. And Ian came in and he just said, we've trained for this. Because we have. We've had scenarios in training where Ian has said, during the last five minutes of the game, you're 1-0 down. Show me what you're going to do. Mm. And we so we've prepared for these scenarios where we are behind in games. And I think when you're behind, that's when the mental side of football kicks in. You have to be mentally strong and find that resilience inside you. And the whole team did. And I think that comes from Ian showing belief in us as well that we can get ourselves out of that situation and we definitely did we came out second half and we were a completely different team how like how impactful do you think like Ian being so calm because you haven't gone into the half time being one nil down at, at any other time I believe in the season so how how like impactful of him being calm in those situations does it make to the girls does it sort of calm the nerves that we're not going to blow it here yeah definitely it's like when you see your manager being calm it automatically makes you feel more calm and more relaxed and just him having that belief makes us feel better because like you said that is the first time we've been behind at half time we've never been in that situation this season and we're not silly we know that those scenarios do happen you're not always going to be it's not always going to be rainbows and sunshine playing football you're not going to go in every half time and it be the best half of your life or you be 10 nil up so we, we know those those games are going to happen. Hopefully they'll be few and far in between. But yeah, Ian being very calm definitely helps us feel better and it made us go out and play better second half. Well, as you mentioned, Walsh scored the two goals in the game. That is now four goals in two games for the skipper since the new year. How has she becoming such a goal-scoring threat from central half? 
She's just so good in the air. Like, honestly, <laughs> she will stick her head on anything, Siobhan. I think if somebody crossed a brick in, she'd put her head on it. <laughs> she's just got no fear. So she's definitely such a threat on corners. And I think a lot of um, teams in our league, they struggle to defend her just because she is so good in the air. So we're very lucky to have her. But I think she's given the strikers a run for the money with all her goals lately. I was going to say, she's catching up. She's catching up. Yeah. I think she's got more than um, some of our attacking players at the moment. <laughs> so she's she's doing well. I wish I could um, do what she's doing. <laughs> well, someone, someone, one centre-back got to stay back, haven't they? One centre-back yeah. got to stay back. I got that job every, day, every game. <laughs> so that's my excuse. <laughs> we're not doing a bad job, man. <laughs> well, the next well, the next fixture is against the New Saints, all the way up in their place. How do you match up against them, and how long does it take for the whole team to get up there? With Mikey T's driving, it takes about 10 hours, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> That's our okay, chairman, Mike. Mike. <laughs> he drives us up there. He's the minibus driver when we go on away trips. It takes about, it's about four hours, I think. It's just hmm. a minging journey. It's long. And when you're on a minibus full of the young girls at the back all singing and chatting loud. It's a very long <laughs> journey. But um, we enjoy those trips away. Like going to ABBA, we've had such a good weekend away, yeah. team bonding, spending time with each other. So we do look forward to those trips away, just not the travel. But yeah, TNS are a tough team. We played them um, at home and we were saying they're probably the team that's given us a lot of threat going mm. forward. Because um, okay. I think it was 3-2 against them, so... And that was at home, so they were a very tough team to play. So we're not going to go there and underestimate them at all. It's going to be a tough game, we know that. We're just going to prepare ourselves this week in training and hopefully we can get the three points against them. It's a massive game for us, really big game to end phase one on a high. Yeah, definitely. What sort of challenges do you feel TNS are going to throw at you? I think they're very strong in defence. They've got the structure, so they're very disciplined. But they've also got pace up top. Mm, okay. They don't just sit. They're they're attacking as well as good in defence. So they're gonna <clears throat> they're gonna be a tough team. One hundred percent. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on, Hannah. The girls are still on top form, so you know what's coming. Let's hope you come back six points happier. Yes, fingers crossed. Thank you. Fingers crossed. Thank you very much, Han. See you soon. That was the Cardiff City's women section. The Bluebirds women are still on absolute flames. Undefeated and now moving into phase three of the season. So best of luck to them. Semi-finals now, the Adjun Trophy. It's just building and building on the quest towards the treble. Well, Hannah weren't lying when she said it to us, mate. At the start of the season, she said we're going to win the treble. And it's on, mate. What do we see right in front of us? What do we see right in front of us? I mean, that's a big statement. So to carry it out... Oh, that's what we thought. That's a, uh, to carry it out, it's like nothing but respect. Nothing but pure right. maximum respect for that. You know, even if, they, even if they fell short, I'd still say, do you know what? You mm. know, put your head above the parapet like that and calling it and then going and delivering it. You know, yeah, man, I like that. Special. I like that. That's, for, that's, that's football. That's true. That's, that, that's, that's City. a true mind of a true Cardiff City footballer. Is yeah, we can, we will. So watch. And we might have a SWAT special at the Adrian Trophy final. Soon to be. I'm gonna be go- I'm gonna be going to that game definitely. Oh, 100 percent. I'm moving on to the last part of the show now, and we mentioned earlier in a brief uh, a brief moment that the transfer embargo. 
And we're to do with it. Well, thank the great Lord that is finally being lifted. 50 million will be paid by the club towards Nantes in three instalments, although there are interest on the three instalments. And the first one is up to 7 million, if I'm not correct. If I'm not wrong, up to 7 million, which, as we've said many times on the pod, we've been screaming at the club to get it sorted. And when, you know, we're not exactly pleased that it took this long to happen, but although extremely relieved that the club and all of the parties involved can now at least start to move on from this situation, from this devastating situation. But the problem is now that we have to face that Tan didn't want to put that money out in the first place. And now that, you know, we're, again, like we said, we're dealing with an ego of a billionaire here. And now that he's been in, a, in the worst way, it's terrible to say, but been forced to pay that money, is he now going to be even more reluctant than he already is to put money into the club? Well, it's cost him another 1.3 million. The first instalment... So exactly. it's probably over the course of the three instalments, probably costing probably another four, maybe five million. So, mm. you know, again, you know, just putting your, you know, digging in at the wrong time rather than accepting the consequence of what was, you know, poor decision making all the way around that whole Emilio Sala situation, you know, and you've got to be accountable for that. You know, so you know, 1.3 million now, or 1.7 million, I'm sure, would look nice in a little transfer kitty. But it's going to go out, you know. Um, and it's this, I think it's this continual sort of wrong decision making which is leading us, like, to League One, basically. You know, if it doesn't happen this year, it's coming. It's coming. Because we're not going the other way, you know. Uh, and I think under the current ownership, we've probably spent more time fighting relegation than we have pushing for promotion. Well, we've had two, and this is probably the third, maybe fourth, maybe fifth time we've been, you know, relegation has been in the back of the mind. And as the season going on, coming closer to being a possibility. So, no surprises, mate. No, nothing surprises me there anymore. It never really does. It never really does. And another, depends how you look at it, positive or negative, but the departure of Sean Morrison, club legend. I just want to say that, no full stop, club legend, an emotional one, hard to see him go. Like I said, club legend, club captain for so many years, but him going to Rotherham now, which he's looking fully fit and he's looking pretty well in that Rotherham shirt and they've been doing very well with him. So it was sad to see him go, but I just wanted to show, make sure to show my appreciation that on the, such a big player that he's just gone now in January. And it's just, I feel like it's been sort of, although you've seen appreciation of, on social it's media been stuff, missed. I feel like... It's been missed. It's been missed, swept under the rug a bit. And I feel like it will be looked at that. Now, say we look back in two years and look back at this time, we won't remember it's the time when Sean Morrison went. He was sort of like he was lost in this whole fiasco. Mm. But hey, that's, that's courtesy. How many other courtesy legends have we seen happen to? Tell you why though, Brian. Robin and Beaton now within the team, and they've just only just signed uh, Jordan Hugo as well this week. Yeah, wow. So they they're on the F, I think. If they're going to do like starting to moves like that, and talking about transfers as well, so quickly. Did you see uh, Cody Drum was linked back to us, and I just ended up. He went to Luton yeah. last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So what about Well. Could you blame him? I was going to say, it, it's, it's, that's, that's the nature of it. As a player, you're only looking for success and a good run club. 
that you want to get to the point where if you're alone, you want to get to the point where you love it so much, you want to stay. You know what I mean? Uh, that, that's, that, that's always the telling factor whether you're a well-run club. Most players who come on loan and they're successful, which drama was, you know, end up saying, I want to go back at least. Let me sign for a year next year if I'm not going to play here. You know, and I think most players who've come on loan, none of them have come back except for Ojo, I think. Um, mm. But wouldn't it be ironic if, you know, I think Rotherham sit two points above us at the moment. Wouldn't it be ironic if it was them who we couldn't catch? I don't know. Uh, Huddersfield worried me. I wouldn't say it's ironic. I'd say it's expected. You would? <laughs> to be quite honest yeah, with you. The team that sits just above you. Uh, who your former captain has gone to. Um, listen, we, we need just this... I think we're three, three points above Huddersfield. We just need to stay that way. <laughs> they got two games in hand though. So. Yeah, no, well, yeah. I was just trying to avoid that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to I'm say that. To well, six points, mate. I'm... That's like, ah! <laughs> but tell you what, they did lose Silver Thomas yesterday, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, Blackpool have a game. Well, Blackpool have a game in hand on us as well. Do you know what I mean? Well, Mick McCarthy as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Mick. Super Mick. <laughs> Quick Gary Medine, Gary Medine. Oh, no. oh, can you imagine? Gary Medine and Quick Mick. Can you imagine? Oh, don't, don't, it's been, don't. It's been written out already. This is a film. It's, it's getting it's written good. right now. It's getting written right now. Well, that segues is perfect into the next four fixtures, which are Hull City away on the 4th of Feb. And then Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough at home, Birmingham away midway through the month, and then Reading at home on the 17th of Feb. Now, lads, those are four... In the grand scheme of things, they're four tough, tough fixtures, but in the grand scheme of the championship, those they're four fixtures which you want to pick up at least a couple of points. Couple? Well, my question is the <laughs> at least. You want at least For me, four that was my points. question to you next. Four that was my question points. to you next, Nave. How many points uh, do you believe Do you believe we're going to pick up and how many points do we need to pick uh, up? I would say Will I go you next? need to pick up a minimum of four points. Six would be better. Um... You need, I would say. Um, but how many do I think we'll pick up? Ooh. Uh, Hull is away, yeah? Good question. Hull is away. Hull is away. Uh, Middlesbrough is at home. Yes. Birmingham is uh, away. Away. And Reading is at home. That's okay. Easy. Hull are just above us. What, about three or four places above us? Away, so I'm going to say that's a loss. I'm going to go because it's a long, long distance travel as well. Uh, we don't travel well, um, although we're probably sli- well home, although we're probably slightly better than we are at home because <laughs> uh, the pressure's at home. Uh, Cardiff Millsborough at home. Oh gosh, uh, that's got a bit of uh, spike in it as well. Um, yes, that goes back to the, the 90s uh, when we played them in the FA Cup uh, we done them um, we drew at our place and then the talk was we went up to there and they were already adding them the next round and we done them 1-0 at Ayrson Park that was back in the 90s early 90s what's the score? Uh, I don't know this, this, this young lad 
So <laughs> this young lad, I can't remember his name. Uh, but I'm going to go hell loss, Middlesbrough draw, Birmingham loss, Reading 1 0 home will win. So I'm going to go four Ooh. points from four games. Come on, Bluebirds. Okay. You've got to do okay. it. <laughs> you know it's optimistic when you're, when you're trying to get four points for four games. And you're literally hoping. You're playing at the same time. I know, I know. As you know, we're in desperate times. I know, I know. As you know, we're in desperate times. Koshi, how many points are um, you going to have, Well, I think we can draw a hole. Because we know we do good at hole. It's good memories of hole. Uh, Michael Carrick's team, Middlesbrough. I don't think we've got a chance against them. I think they're two kids. Giles as well. Um, and burn my way. Oh. It could go our way, but it could, I, I, they got some decent players. If, if I was positive, but I'll say a draw. But I, I, I can't see us going to draw that early on. Oh, well, how many points is that so far? Hull, you said a win. So, one, one point. One so point and Hull. None at Middlesbrough home. Yeah. How many Birmingham? None at Birmingham. And then a win at Reading. I think. So you're going four. Ooh. Okay. Four points in a different way, as they say. What are you going for, Brad? Well, what am I going for? Well, now you asked me. I'm, uh, I think I'm going to go for three points from anywhere, whether that's three draws or a win. <laughs> but I just think in them four games, I think we'll accum- accumulate three points. Well, if you... If, if we're lucky. It's <laughs> 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 what it's done to me now. This is what his club's done to me yeah. now. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm begging for three. So you're begging for a, a win at some point, then, basically. No, I, I, I three think draws there's, there's a win is. In would you say it's unlikely? There's a win in there. Yeah, of course. Three draws out of four games. games. But it's the championship. I think we got a. I think I. I think it's more a one win and all the rest losses. I think it's more of a one will, one win. Isaac Davis gets his first goal back. Little one nilla, and then all the rest we guess them out. Whether that comes at Reading. Whether it comes at home. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I do not yeah. know. That's kind of where it's gone. It's a, a win, like, in between, like, seven or eight draws and losses, losses. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> draws yeah. and losses. Brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant, like. Draws and losses. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. Come on, oh. Cardiff Bluebirds. Keep your spirits up, man. Keep your spirits up. It'll all be over one day and we'll have, you know, we'll have a... You know, a, a good owner who's got good people in, good functionality throughout the club, and we will become the capital that we are in the Premier League one day, I'm sure. Just need the right people in. It can be So done. for everyone at home, for everyone at home, if Nathan Blake can believe, you can believe. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the end of the show, lads. Been a pleasure, but before we go, you know what I want of you? I want... Your tune of the week. Koshi, oh. what's your tune of the week, son? Uh, she's Royal, Taris Riley. Tune. Unbelievable tune. What a tune. Oh, oh I mean, there's an age difference clearly here. I don't even know. No, it's not. It's not, Nate. You know this tune, mate. Okay, sing it to you me. You know this tune. I pr- sing it to me. I promise you, I promise you, you know this tune. <laughs> I can't this morning. My, <coughs> my, throat's, my throat's a bit ass, so... Can't be doing the singing. I've got to do my warm-ups now first before I start getting the vocals out. But, Taurus Riley, she's right. See, it's, it just happens naturally. She's royal. A tune. Absolute tune. Okay. Blakey, what have you got? Uh, I'm going to go with... What should I go with? Uh, 
Uh, a tune I've just been listening to a lot lately. Afraid to feel. LF system. Oh. You know that oh. tune starts really slow. Woman singing. Oh, but I'm afraid. Do, do, do. And then it speeds, goes really fast, speeds up. That's a dress room banger, that would be. If I was still in control of the music in a dressing room, that would be something, especially after you win. That would be on in a dress room. Boys would be getting ready to go out and enjoy their Saturday nights, however they spend it. So, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Was you usually on the Oaks? Me? Was you usually on the Oaks? Always, every time, bro. Always, every time? Every time. I don't, let's see. Cardiff, yes. Um, <laughs> Sheffield United uh, yes um, Bolton 100% Blackburn yeah, yes uh, Wolves 100% so the answer was yes yeah, yeah I, was, I was the man music I, I, I was a music collector wasn't I so I was I was like I was always the man. I do a bit of DJ, hey, so you know. Well, you can't get no stats for that. Well, can't get no stats yeah. for that. Back. <laughs> That's probably added a good two million on its value, right? You can't get no stats for that. Well, can't get no stats for that. Well, my tune of the week is what we need at Cardiff City right now and in the next few years is "Changes" by Tupac. <laughs> Legendary tune. I listen to this song just to keep me going sometimes. Just, you know, there's changes around the horizon. The world is not always going to stay the way it is. As we can hope. Mm-hmm. Or will it? I don't know. But what I do know, it's been a pleasure, lads, today, to be joined by you both. Another great episode. And we'll be back to review the games that we mentioned and talk all things Cardiff City. But until next time, it's been a pleasure. Au revoir, au revoir, au revoir. Blue birds.